years ago, Rich made this design for Kano. And I loved it when he made it. And as the years have passed, I have come to appreciate it even more. For not only does this capture the essence of what the Cana vision tries to be, but the more I study and the more I press into scripture, the more I realize this really does capture the very essence of Christianity. Love God, love others, everything else is just a footnote. It is a creative way to brand Cana, and I'm thankful for that, but in the end, it really does distill the entirety of Christianity according to scripture. So, Jesus himself was quite clear about this when he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus frames for us the entire biblical narrative with this statement. Okay, This is the statement that frames completely reading Genesis through Revelation. St. John was also quite purposeful in stating the essence of Christianity. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Whoever does not love, does not know God. Because God is love. If we love one another, if God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And then St. Paul, believe it or not, because St. Paul gets so abused, he established his entire library on this central truth of what Christianity is all about. So Paul's entire library, if some of you will remember those years we went through 1 Corinthians, everything he wrote leads up and away from this piece of his writing in verse 13. If we don't have love, we are nothing. And it doesn't matter what we do or say or claim to believe. If we don't have it, we are nothing. And Paul constantly repeated this. That's what's strange about what people do to Paul. They'll find little bits without any connection to anything else he wrote. And they actually have Paul contradicting everything that he really stands for. This is what Paul stands for, the gospel. Okay? And it's all through his, his thing. And here in our text this morning, he says it with startling clarity. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts. Not faith. It's faith that expresses itself through love. Faith without love is nothing. He said that, remember, in 1 Corinthians. And he he almost verbatim repeats this later in the letter to Galatians when he says neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. And then again in his first letter to the Corinthians, he almost repeats it again where he says circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Okay, so you have these three incredible statements from Paul in which he says the exact same thing. And I want to take a side note and go over this because... This is, this is a great opportunity to think about how, you, how we should read St. Paul. Because it would be easy to look at that and say, well, wait a second, David, those aren't identical. He's saying something different in each one. No, he's not. Okay, so let's remember the frame is the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So, keeping God's commands is what counts. What is God's commands? 
we know when God was in the flesh, he was clear. Love God and love one another. Right? So that's one way to understand what Paul is doing. When Paul talks about keeping the commands of God, he's talking about living out love. That's the essence of Christianity. And then, what counts is the new creation. And here's where he brings the whole mystery together. What is the new creation? It's what God is doing in us, right? God is transforming us. God's living in us. So if God is love and God is living in us, what's he trying to do through us? Love. That's what God's trying to do through us. He's trying to love. So these are three identical statements because that's what the new creation is. And faith, which leads to that new creation, does what? Loves. Paul, this is the essence. And this is how to understand and read Paul better. That's why I wanted to point out how we use this statement in three ways. And finally, and this is really huge, and that's what we're sort of going to talk about today, so prepare yourselves, is this. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. This is not trying to love others so that we, so that we can be good Christians. This is indicative. The entire Galatian story is indicative. Okay? That's what the story of Galatians and the entire biblical narrative is indicative. And what that means is this. Paul is saying, if you have faith, it will express itself through love. That's how to read Paul. Okay? So, real faith will express itself through love. Because real faith is part of this mystery, God in us, living through us. So, I think we can see from the witnesses of the giants of our faith, if you will, right? Jesus and John and Paul are pretty much the giants of the Christian faith. At least they wrote the majority of the Christian scriptures. Okay? So, love really is the essence of it all. And everything else is just a footnote. Everything is just a footnote. Love is the essence of it all. In fact, about this statement of Paul's, Burton writes this. For, this is, for the disclosure of the apostles' fundamental idea of the nature of religion, there is no more important sentence in the whole epistle, if indeed in any of Paul's epistles. That's huge. So to read Paul outside the context of this is to not understand Paul at any level. And it's not good enough to say, well, it says it in the Bible. Okay, the Bible says a lot of things. To understand Paul, we have to be coming at it from this perspective. So, I want to talk about this most important sentence today for a few reasons. First, if love is everything, if love alone really is the only true indicator of authentic faith, if it really is, if that is it, that is the only true indicator of authentic faith, then we have to talk about it. And we have to talk about it all the time. And that's what we do at Canaan. We talk about it all the time. Because it's that essential. You, it's, it's hard, you know, I, I think one of the things about Cana that I love and I hate is it's really hard at Cana to hide from the essence of our faith. Do you know what I mean? I love the fact that we don't make people put on masks and, and you can be whoever you are and be honest. And I try to be honest and open about the failure that my life is. But it's also incredibly difficult because we're always talking about the essence and we don't allow people the loophole of being good Christians, but maybe not. Do you see what I mean? So we have to talk about this all the time. Also, because this is the gospel. This is the gospel. God loves us. God lives in us. God loves through us. That's the gospel. 
So if, the go- if this is the gospel, and remember, the gospel is the beginning, middle, and end of our faith. It's everything. Don't let the gospel be the beginning of our faith. The gospel is the entire thing. Beginning, middle, and end. The table, this, this table, every week, this is the gospel in, 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 in flesh. This is, this is not a, 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 uh, a membership card to the club. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. So then we should always be talking about it to push us closer and closer into authentic faith so we are not, God forbid, like some of these Galatians who blindly assume they are in the faith when in fact they're not. And this is, this is big. And finally, we need to talk about this statement because it comes at the transition of Paul's letter. So we're in Galatians. We're almost done. We just have a little bit longer. Galatians is only six chapters. We're in five. And what happens, this is the transition of Paul's letter. So Paul has spent right up to this point arguing for grace theology over appeasement theology. And he sums it up with this brilliant statement. So therefore, circumcision and uncircumcision means nothing but faith expressing itself through love. So there's a summation of the argument that grace theology over appeasement theology. But this is also the beginning, the jumping off point of the rest of his argument. The jumping off point of the rest of his argument. Because now what's going to happen? Now he's going to say, so if this is true... If this is true, then how should we then live? How do we live then? If grace theology is what it's all about, not appeasement theology, how should we live? Because it leads to a lot of questions, right? And so in the rest of chapter 5, we're going to live according to the faith, which is fruits of the Spirit. And he's also going to talk about living not according to the faith, and we're going to get one of his classic lists of living according to the flesh, quote-unquote. So we're about to dive into the rest of this letter. We need to really understand this or we're going to misread the rest of his letter, and we're actually going to turn it into an argument against everything he just said. And that's what happens, sadly. We're coming up on one of his classic lists. Well, if you live according to the flesh, you do all these things, and people turn that right against grace. And they use it to judge people and criticize people and condemn people and judge people. That's not what Paul is getting at, as we'll see as we get into this. All right? So here we go. So let's start with this. Circumcision and uncircumcision. Remember, there are those in Galatia, quick, quick, quick history, that are teaching in order for a Gentile to really be in the family of God, they have to become Jewish. In other words, they have to get circumcised. Okay? Because at that time in the world, they, the Jews got circumcised and no one else did. All right? So it's in the law. In, it's in the law. So that's what Paul is doing. So this can be read, this can be read as neither Jew nor Gentile. Matter. Nothing matters. And Paul already said that. If you were here, everyone remembers, Right? Paul already said, neither Jew nor Gentile count. But this is also metaphorical language. This is metaphorical language. So if getting circumcised is following the law and not getting circumcised is not following the law, then in our culture, in our culture, this can be understood this way. Neither moral exertion nor moral failure counts, period. And this is a quote. This is not me. I was very careful that I did not want to use my language here. This is from an incredibly conservative theologian. A theologian that I hardly ever agree with. That's why I read them all the time. My library has theologians from all over the spectrum because I always want to read who I don't agree with. And one of the best things that I discover as I read through theologies from the left and from the right and from the middle and from the north and the south and wherever they're from, I don't even know, is when it all comes down to the very essence of our faith, they're all sitting pretty much in the same place. It's this. It's grace. 
Even, even the harshest conservatives that are always seemingly badgering on grace with all the peripheral issues, when you get to the heart of the matter, we're all in the same place. That's one of the reasons I know this is the essence of Christianity. Sadly, if we would just stay there and forget about all the peripheral issues, we might have a lot more unity and a lot less division. But we always want to focus on the peripheral issues instead of focusing here. So, think about this. Neither moral exertion nor moral failure counts, period, end of story. So, what that means is we are in Christ, we're redeemed, we're saved, we're born again. Whatever language you want to use, whatever language you use in your theology to talk about this whole mystery of of Christianity, use whatever language you want. It doesn't matter because we are, we are that thing for only one reason. God loves us and offers us grace because of that love. Exhibited, proven, actualized, and legitimized by the Christ event. Okay? And one thing for a lot of us I think we need to be sure of is this. This extends to pleasing God too. That's where a lot of us in the traditions we've been brought up in sort of start to fall away is because we think, oh yeah, Dave, we know in order to get saved or whatever it is, whatever language we use, it's not about us, it's about grace. But then we think we have to live according to the law instead of continue to live according to grace. Do you see what I mean? So when it comes to pleasing God and being blessed by God and all that, this, this is here too. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matter. This whole thing the whole Christian faith, the whole living out Christianity, being in, getting in, whatever you want to call it, is all about God's grace. And now I want to make another side note here before we wrap this up. This goes both ways. See what Paul's saying goes both ways? And this is where you need to be really careful. This is where I went, as I was transitioning in my life and fighting through and, and, and exploring God and getting deeper and deeper into it, I, I, this can, convicts me of how I, I used to be and I can still be. It is so easy to be on one side of something and get all puffed up about that, isn't it? So you can be on the side of the circumcised and be like, well, of course we're right and they're wrong. Or what can be worse, as you transition into life and you go through to the next level of faith and all of a sudden you're on the other side, you can be, oh, they're so wrong. And all of a sudden Paul beautifully kills both, oh, that's a harsh word, Paul convicts both of us so strongly and says, hey, you circumcised, it's not authentic. Oh, wait, you guys over there smiling? It's not authentic either. Both of you are not authentic. It's not about this. It's about God and what he does for us. And this whole thing, this gospel, this is the great equalizer. This is the... Am I here? Yeah, I got that. All right. So this gospel is the great equalizer, and that more than anything else, that more than anything else can help us live most authentically the life of God. Because here's the thing, when you really grasp this, is to constantly live aware, you ready? That when we do amazing Christ-like things, when we do, when we are living out what we, you know, that, that true Christ-likeness in the world and in our lives, we are aware it is because of what God is doing in us. It's not ourselves. It's not our strength. It does not mean we're better than others. It does not mean God loves us more because of it. That's huge. And likewise, and just as importantly to hear, maybe more importantly for some of us, when we fail miserably to live like Christ, it does not mean God loves us less or we're inferior to others. 
And I'm sorry if you have been participating in a theology that makes you feel that way. That you're not as good as other Christians because your life doesn't look like Jesus' life, like theirs does. But maybe theirs doesn't if they're making you feel that way. There is nothing we can do to make God love us more. There is nothing we can do to make God love us less. That's Philippians. That's not me. That's a great quote, but that's not me. And that goes for everyone. And here's where we start, the rubber starts to hit the road. This is the part Tito was hoping wouldn't come today. All right? Listen, this goes for everyone. That posture allows us to see others the same way, and this is where we can start to really living into love of others because we are living in grace. Understanding we are all the same means... That when we see someone we want to judge and not love, grace reminds us we are all the same. That changes everything. Because the biggest obstacle to loving others, the biggest obstacle to loving others and to allowing the love of God work through us is falsely believing we are not the same. That, that's it. When you don't love someone, it is because you believe they're not as good as you. It's that simple. Maybe your words don't work that way and your consciousness isn't doing it, but it's that simple. So, the recovering drug addict, you never see a recovering drug addict judge another recovering drug addict. Because they get it. You don't see the mother of a straight-A student who thought he was just going to have a high of heroin, but instead get an elephant tranquilizer that shouldn't he even be doing and die. You don't see that mother condemning the mother of another little boy that that happened to. But those of us who don't see ourselves the same as others, or will judge, oh, let them die. Who cares? They're just dry that. No, they're not. They're people just like you and I. And there, but for the grace of God, go out. Isn't it funny how we don't judge people that struggle with what we struggle with? We judge those who don't. We get it. And that's where Jesus comes in and says, you're all the same. That's what this table is. This is the great equalizer. And that's what's so frighteningly sad about Christian theology that tells people they don't deserve this. What? You know someone's an adulterer and it horrifies you that go, they're going forward to the communion table? Well, you're an adulterer. We're all adulterers. We're all everything. Next week we're going to talk a little bit about prayer as we go more further into this. I was reading this mystic this week talking about how our language just fails us so much. Because how can our language ultimately contain God? And this mystic at the end of the day said, here's prayer. Sinner, God. Oh. I was in the middle of my study. I, 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 I literally, I, it broke me. It took me like a half hour to recover. That's prayer. That's all, those are the two words we need. That's what this table is. Sinner, God. And the beauty of those two words is Everyone that's not God is the same. Sin. God. Now you can start to love people.
Frederica Matthews Green writes it this way, and I love this. We are to behave at all times like people whose primary thought is, I personally have been forgiven a great deal. So there's a question, do we know that? Do we know that? And this is where the rubber hits the road. So Paul says, the only thing that matters is love expressing itself, I mean faith expressing itself through love. So what is Paul saying here? That love is an indication that we have faith. This is the most important part of all of, Christian, of, all of Christianity. Faith that God loves us and God alone saves us and transforms us and empowers us to live out authentic human beings. That's what Paul is saying. This is not a call from Paul to be get better at loving. Don't hear that and don't hear that from me today. That's not what Paul is doing. We can't get better at being like Christ. He can make us better at being like Christ. And see, this is what always drives us back to appeasement theology. Because in appeasement theology, we can follow the rules. And that makes us feel good. Because you just have to have the rules that you can follow. And that's what happens. You find churches, you find theologies that give you the rules you can follow. And that's really, at the end of the day, if you've ever visited enough churches, and I've been in almost every church, and you spend time studying different churches, all it comes down to is that. It's the rules that people get, and they're most comfortable with. But if it's really about this, then we have to wrestle with it. We have to confront our own lives. And are they real? Are we Christians? And this is why Paul is so serious. And you guys, this is why I have been so serious for the last 10 years. And this is why I will never stop doing Cana. Because this. If we do not at least recognize that loving like Christ in this world is what it means to be a Christian? Whether we do or not, I'm not talking about doing it. I'm not even talking about wanting to do it. What I'm talking about is if we do not even recognize that what it means to be a Christian is to allow God to love others in the world through us, then are we really Christians? I care so much about all of you, honestly. Even when visitors come in, if they're here, I, I care deeply about this one central truth. I want you to be in the faith. I want you to be in the faith. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what theological language you use. It doesn't matter what you claim to believe in. Do you know? Do you have faith that expresses itself through love? Even if that expression of love is one half second in a day. Do you know? And if you do, you're in the faith. That's what St. John said. Whoever loves 
God is in them. And whoever doesn't, God is not. This is why I'm so passionate. And I want to be clear, and maybe I should have started this way, but I want to be clear that you hear me. So those of you that are struggling to stay awake this morning, there's a lot of you. I'm sorry that I've been boring today, but I want you to hear this part, okay? This is not human love I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. This is not emotion. Look at you, you're all loving people. I know that. The whole world is loving people to their friends and their family. That's not what Paul's talking about. It's not what Jesus was talking about. It's not what 1 John is talking about. It's not what it is. So when St. John says, everyone who loves is of God, and then everyone can say, well, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about loving like Christ. Loving enemies. Loving those you don't want to love. Like just today, I'm at the Brattle Street Market, and I'm going left, and a truck comes here, and he says, he waves me on, but then another truck is flying up the inside, so I can't go. So the truck behind that truck, you should have seen a look on that guy's face. He was going to kill that guy in front because he was delaying him like by three seconds. And as I went by, I just said to Jeff, I said, did you see how angry that guy was? It's like, I, we weren't even doing anything to you, buddy. We don't like to love. That's why this is a big deal, and that's why I want you to hear this. I'm not talking about loving your grandchild, and your children, and your mother, and your friends. If you're not doing that, well, figure it out. <laughs> But that's still not being in the faith. Being in the faith is knowing that every human being on this planet deserves the same. Grace, mercy, forgiveness. Everyone. If we don't know that, we're not in the faith. We're not. And as we're in the faith more and more, it becomes knowing it, then it becomes wanting to do it. And then all of a sudden, every now and then, you find yourself doing it. And then all of a sudden, you realize, wow, this whole thing is true. It is true. God does live in us. Because I just had love for someone. I hate it. And this kind of love from others comes only from grace. That's it. It's one marvelous mystery. That's all it is. Love is the fruit of the Spirit, as we're going to see when we get there in Paul. So therefore, those in the faith have the Spirit in them, and that Spirit loves. So, just to recap, remember, we can get in the way of that. We can easily get in the way of that. But to be totally devoid of it and to not even recognize that this is the way of God should really make us pause and reconsider. Likewise, likewise, to see this divine love in our lives, even for fleeting moments, is great comfort that we are in God. Timothy Keller writes it this way. It's a great way to end. Faith literally energizes love. And neither religious moralism nor licentious non-religiosity can do this because both are essentially selfish and insecure. And there it is. 
That's where all non-love comes from. Selfish insecurity, period. Selfishness and insecurity cannot produce love because love is joyful, self-giving. Self-giving. The more joy we have in our gracious salvation, gracious salvation, the more we are driven by love and gratitude to do good for the sheer beauty of good, for sheer delight in God, for sheer love of others. If we are reminding ourselves and living in light of our certain hope, we will want to let that love flow through us. If we find ourselves unloving, the solution is not to seek to love better or more. That's just going back to the law. The solution is look to Jesus Christ, who gives us unlosable, unshakable acceptance from the Father. And as we dwell on that love, we find ourselves filling with love. That's the good news. Selfishness and insecurity go away when we focus on, wow, does God love us? <laughs> then we are free to love others. The gospel frees us to be free. Rich used to tell me, I never knew what that song was about. And then he realized, oh, it's Paul wrote it in the first verse in Galatians. And the band's going to come up now and we're going to join in singing that great song it is for freedom that we are set free. The freedom is this, to let the Holy Spirit reign and move us into a life of authentic love through the mystery of grace. Because we have faith in a God that loves us no matter what, if we are circumcised or not. Amen.